In today's episode, we open our Bibles to Exodus 32. The people felt as though Moses was taking a long time to come down from Mount Sinai. What was Yahweh saying to him? Had he even survived his encounter with the God who brought the plagues upon the Egyptians? Would he ever return? Their doubts led them to apostasy, and in an act of great shame and sin, they created for themselves an idol and credited it with their redemption from slavery. Good morning. Today is Friday, December 23rd, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. This morning, I'd like to thank our underwriter, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Learn more about their translating and publishing work at lhfmissions.org. Also, folks, today is the last episode of Thy Strong Word before KFUO's 12 Days of Christmas. Be sure to tune in to KFUO during the Christmas season for sacred music and programming celebrating our Savior's birth. Well, without any further ado, please join me in welcoming my guest to help us examine Exodus 32 and the incident of the golden calf, the Reverend William Orr, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne, Missouri. Pastor Orr, good morning. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? It's good to be here. Oh, I'm doing great. You know, getting ready for the Christmas season. Uh, we've been in Advent so long, and now here we are, the 23rd. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve then Christmas and the 12 days of Christmas. So just, I'm excited for the season. Uh, my favorite season, I have to admit though, is Lent and Holy Week and Easter, but Christmas is a close second and I, I hope you've been having a great Advent. I'm, I've been at my new congregation um, since uh, July 1st. Okay. And uh, this past, this during this Advent, we have been uh, learning the uh, Advent e- evening prayer from the, from the hymnal. Um, the congregation had not uh, ever uh, not had not ever used that um, service before, and they are they are enjoying it. Um, yeah. and I'm enjoying teaching that to them, and we've been uh, I've been preaching a series um, on the the preaching of John the Baptist as that relates to um, Christ's uh, coming and his imminent return. Absolutely, that's that's so, what's wonderful about Advent that twofold focus, right? I mean. Most of the world, if they even consider Advent at all, really just think about it as preparing for Christmas. Or if you're not in the Christian church, you just think of it as Christmas. But for us who are looking forward to our Christ return, oh yeah, that's really what Advent is about and a wonderful reason to celebrate. And of course, you can't can't celebrate that better or prepare people better than with John the Baptist. So I'm sure that's an interesting series. Well, I tell you what, why don't we begin our text today? And we will, um, before we get into it though, would you start us off with prayer? Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon our study of uh, the incident with the golden calf. We ask you that you would uh, call, uh, that you would lead us to repentance for those times when we um, go after idols. Um, Restore us to faith in your Son and uh, keep us always focused upon uh, the glorious gifts that you have given. And uh, with those gifts, we ask that you would uh, move us to give all glory uh, to you and to you alone. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Well, what I would like to do then is read our text, but we're going to read it in chunks because we have quite a bit to cover today. And the first chunk will be just the first six verses that kind of sets the stage. Um, but let's uh, let's do that. And then after we're done reading, 
maybe we'll take a step back too and figure out you know what the context is around what's going on. So this is going to be from the English, English Standard Version, chapter 32, verses 1 through 6. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Wow, brother, this is a frustrating passage. We've been going through 31 chapters of Exodus, all of it focusing on the glory and power of the one true God, Yahweh, to get glory over the gods of the Egyptians, to with his mighty hand bring him, bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. And now as he's giving his instructions, which we've been covering for the past few weeks, to Moses on Mount Sinai, the people do this. Starting at the top, brother, take us through what is going on and what's the, what's the scene? Set the scene for us. Well, of course, you, you know that um, as uh, the scripture says here that Moses was delayed. Now, he has been up there on the mountain for 40 days. Um, and to them, I think they're, they're approaching Aaron is I think they are presuming him to be dead. Um, but the greater context to step back a little bit um, is that these people have heard um, the Ten Commandments. They've heard the voice of God. Um, and then um, in, then, the, then even they, they have been consecrated. The covenant has been sealed. The blood of the covenant has been thrown upon them. And the other half was thrown upon the altar. And then um, Moses and Aaron, who was involved here in our reading for today, um, they go up with Nadab and Abihu. Um, and the 70 elders and they witness and they see the God of Israel. Um, and, but I want to focus for us, at least there's a passage from Exodus 22, um, verse 20 that says, whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord shall be devoted to destruction. Um, and we will see this happen towards the, the end of our reading for today. But what we have here, um, is you have the people are frustrated that Moses is not coming back. They think that he is dead, or at least I think that's, they're presuming him not to be coming back at all. Um, and they go to, go to Aaron, uh, who is um, the voice of Moses, if you will, because of Moses' speech impediment. And they go to the brother of Moses and they, they say to him, and what is reflected in the ESV and from the King James Version, um, a tradition that we have as English speaking Lutherans, um, is that it says, come, um, make us gods. Um, but here I, I'm not sure that that is the best, um, translation. I, I think the, the new American standard probably captures the, the meaning of what's happening here is where it would say, come make us God who will go before us. Um, 
for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what happened to him. Um, in other words, we think he's dead. And I think it's the, the singular translation there rather than God's would be better because there's one calf that is made. It is not multiple calves. And then what, what Aaron says, and he declares in his second statement is that tomorrow shall be a festival to Yahweh. And of course, we know that there is one God, Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they want this one God to go before them, um, but, but no longer the God who has been going before them, but an idol of their, of their making and that comes from, from the engraving tool of, of, of Aaron himself. Now, what should be disturbing to us is that he, he, he tells them what they should do. Um, and he who formerly spoke the word of God um, on behalf of Moses, who received the word of God, now tells them who have heard the word of God, they've heard the law of God, they've heard the promises of God. And now with, from those ears that have heard the, the wonderful blessings of God and his holy will, now they remove those, those, those rings of gold that adorn the very instrument of faith which is the ears that hear the word of God. Now those ears, the adornments of those ears will be taken and fashioned into an idol that is, that is dead, that offers no word of law, no word of the will of God and no word of promise. And so what they will hear from this idol is absolutely nothing. Um, and, but what's really disturbing about it is that they hear they who have heard the word of God and who have not only heard it, but they have witnessed the mighty deeds of God in his redemption of them. They who have walked through um, the waters of the, of, the, of the Red Sea and have been delivered. Now they will so quickly abandon the living God for a dead idol. And what's really disturbing about this is that Aaron declares that this golden calf is Yahweh. And that this new Yahweh, this dead um, abomination, is the one that will lead them on to the promised land. Um, this is a great sin. This is a grievous act. And it is uh, not only that, um, Aaron instructs them, you know, that, that tomorrow will be a feast to Yahweh. But then they will get up and they will sacrifice to it. Um, and the sacrifices that they make um, are, are sacrifices of devotion that come forth from, from their free will and their devotion to this, to this, this new Yahweh, which is no Yahweh at all. And so I, I think the, uh, we look at what a burnt offering is. Um, burnt offering is, you know, it's, it goes back to the beginning with Cain and Abel. They offered burnt offering. Um, we have Noah. Uh, Abraham, and then Moses even discusses um, the need to make bird offerings um, in Exodus chapter 10. Um, and when you make a bird offering, it, the entire offering except for the skin is burnt on the altar. And then that, that offering, the entire thing goes up to, goes up to God. And this is as, as, as they draw near to worship, then the sacrifices that made, that is made, um, goes up or ascends to God. But then, and so they, they're making a whole offering, meaning there's this is like their full devotion. 
is, is, is the God that they're sacrificing to. And rightly, it would go to Yahweh, but here in, in this place, it is going to imposter. But then they also make a peace offering, and a peace offering that they make um, is one that where the um, fat portions, uh, the blood, and then also um, you know the kidneys, those go to God and are consumed. But then the worshiper would retain a portion, um, and that I believe that portion there what they would use um, for the festival that they are having to mount to their false Yahweh, this imposter that is this golden calf. Um, but then what is also attached to this um, is that they are, they are worshiping God almost in a, in a syncretistic way of mixing the pagan manner of worship of, of idols but then what goes along with the worship of idols, which is the, um, the playing that they do and the playing that they do, um, is, is not just some kind of child's play. Um, this is, um, is, you know, as one, as one translation says, lewd behavior. Um, and the playing here is you notice the modesty of, of the scriptures here. That, that say that the people, you know, they, they rose up to play. Um, and I, and I believe that along with this breaking of the first commandment, they are now breaking, uh, the seventh commandment, which is to commit, um, adultery and fornication, um, with one another. So there, there is a lot, a lot at work here there really uh, is. in this text. Right. Well, you know, and I have a couple of thoughts as I was, you know, pondering what you were saying and actually beginning at the end uh, with the with the word there to play. It's it's from the Hebrew, which means like to laugh, to make sport of, make fun of. Um, it also has, as you point out, this con this idea of a conjugal caresses. That might be that's the way the the BBB yeah. puts it out. Uh, I think that's a very yeah. nice way. But yeah, they're toying with one another, which we connect with some of that pagan worship. You're right, and so I never thought about it being not only you know a first commandment issue, even a, a second commandment issue, a sixth commandment issue, uh, but they're they're taking what's God's and giving it to someone else. And then moving backward a little bit, uh, I also, you know, one of the sources that I was looking at was talking about the use of calves or bulls in worship. And I, for a private right. little project that I'm doing on my own, I, I was researching some of the gods of Egypt. And, you know, the bull was a symbol of, the, of a god, but also it could be a pedestal upon which they would then put their gods. And so one of the sources I was looking at actually connected that here. Interesting. Yeah, they were saying that, you know, they would put their gods on top of a pedestal of a bull. And the thought was, now whether this has any traction or not, you know, people smarter than me would have to look into it. But the, the thought was, you know, since they're still worshiping Yahweh, have they made for him a pedestal out of this idol? It does not diminish the egregiousness of their sin here. But at the same time, it might help understand like why they're doing what they're doing. You know, this Moses, they say, and that's the other thought too. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. I don't know what you think, but to me, it makes it sound like they don't really care what's become of him. Uh, so, so I think that's right. fascinating. I, they don't they're, care what's come of him. They're moving on. Right. Yeah. I mean, after all that he's done, 
And because Aaron is right. sort of the more visible one, I, I suppose that they look to him. Of course, he has been made the high priest, but they look to him as as sort of really the guy. He's the prophet. And Moses, who's God to Pharaoh as Aaron was the prophet, well, this Moses is gone. And Yahweh, even though he's appeared to them in the pillar of cloud and fire, they say, well, I'm gonna, we're going to make him his idol. I'm sorry, his pedestal. And then this is how we can worship him through this idol. Uh, it, and it really does demonstrate just how badly these people need a priesthood. Yes, but the the very one who was the 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 chief priest, Aaron, um, he, his failing here is 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 even makes the, it makes it even worse. Oh, it does. Um, his failure before the people to to he he very well could have said to them, "No, we're not going to do this. We're going to wait a little bit longer." For Moses, but but he did not. Um, in some ways, you might even say say human nature. There, he is no longer second fiddle. You know, he is the one who is going to lead them. So there may be some uh, some pride at work in Aaron because they are coming to him and not to his brother any longer. Um, now, you brought up that 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 with with bulls and the gods riding upon a bull now if that is the, the if that is a possibility there when moses is up on the mountain the presence of god is to be you know in in the tabernacle um that has been prescribed um and everything laid out for that and the ark the ark that is to be built and so they don't know these those instructions have been given, um, but but that doesn't make it any doesn't make right. it any better at all with what they've done. No, um, there's no ex- absolutely. Yeah, I'll just say there's no, no explaining no it away. Excuse. Yeah, right. No excuses at yeah. all. No, no getting them off the hook on this one. It's just kind of interesting. There's one other aspect you mentioned his pride, and now he's sort of no longer the second banana, so to speak. Um, and I, I think that is insightful for sure. I, I hadn't really considered that. A part that I considered, which uh, I guess I can empathize with more. Because I, I'm not like that in the sense of I want to be the, the top dog, but I have, you know, as any pastor has, struggled to stand up against the crowds. And we see here that the very first verse, the people saw that Moses was delayed and the people gathered themselves together to Aaron. And they're telling him, they're telling the priest how, what to do, make us a God who shall go before us or make us. God, as you put it, who shall go before us, right? Take, take this God that brought us out of Egypt and make him for us because you know, we're so weak. They wouldn't say it that way, but, but he's, I guess, I don't know if peer pressure is the right word, but right. He's, he's accosted by this group. If he were to say no, then they might just find another priest. So maybe it's a combination. Well, and that, that is the challenge. And I think the challenge for it, for anyone who steps into the office, um, of, 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 of pastor, um, you know, as we call that, you know, in, in that case, Aaron is, is, is a priest. Um, the, the, the danger is the, is the desire to be liked, um, and the desire to be the one who leads. And ultimately that was never given to Aaron. Um, and so he, I think he is tempted by leadership here 
um, and by what they're asking him to do. Um, whereas, you know, today pastors, um, in some ways are, are to be like Aaron, um, you know, as, as Moses was his, as Moses was to Aaron, so should we be to, um, Christ's word. Um, and that what we are to deliver to our people is Christ's word and Christ's word alone, along with the whole counsel of God from the scriptures, um, and not be so tempted as to wanting to be liked and wanting to be a people pleaser. We have to hold it to the word of God, um, and be faithful to that word and to lead our people to be faithful to it so that they, um, do not lose their faith and commit apostasy. Um, as, as the people did when they saw that was Moses was delayed. And it's interesting right now we're dealing with, with, with Advent and, and, uh, the, uh, the, the coming of Christ, uh, both his first and his second coming. One of the passages of scripture is that some people would count the Lord, um, as, as his coming as slowness or that he is, he is delayed. Um, but of course we know that the Lord is not delayed. But uh, for many people, scoffers will come in these end times and, and say, where is he? Um, but no matter what, no matter how much more time it will take for the second coming of Christ to come, um, we must remain faithful to his holy word um, and call our people to be faithful to that word as well. Piggyback, piggybacking off that great thing that you just said in terms of you know, the delay of Christ's coming or the perceived delay scoffers use against us. Well, we've even seen that within the church where people say now, okay, uh, make Christ come, right? He's delayed in coming, make him come. And people come up with not only these predictions of when the end of the world is going to come, and they gather a lot of money and followers right. around those predictions, or they'll say, like Zionists will say things like, well, we have to rebuild the temple and then the Messiah will return. Or we have to, there's all kinds of uh, interesting, let's say in Minnesota speak, interesting ideas out there about how to hasten the return of Christ when that's not what right. he said. That's not, you know, yes, we don't know when, but we should pray for the hastening of his return, but it's up to him according to his will and his ways. That's right. What's, what's, what's rather unfortunate for these people, um, in the, uh, in, from Exodus 32 is that Moses was probably just less than a day away from coming down the mountain. Um, and they, they just could not wait any longer. And they, they were so fickle as to go after another God and to remake God. And it's, it's, it's actually rather sad. Well, why don't we join Moses on that mountain in the next verses? This is going to be verses 7 through 14, and this is how Moses finds out what's going on. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? 
Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham and Isaac, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So it's frustrating when Aaron lifts up and says, this is Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt, pointing to some metal cow. And now we have Lord telling Moses, Yahweh telling Moses, go down. These people have corrupted themselves. But then he says, leave me alone. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses seems to change God's mind. So this makes this a difficult passage too. Let's, let's start at the top. What's going on? Well, we have, he, he tells him to go down there, but he, in his, in his statement, you go down at once for your people. It is, it is as if he is, he is, he is wanting to disown them already. And he, he gives them, it's, it's as if, it is as if he is giving them to Moses. Go down at once for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have behaved corruptly. Um, and yes, they have. Um, and they have quickly turned you know, just 40 days since, uh, we, uh, uh, consecrated the, uh, the new, the, the covenant. Um, and he has commanded them of what they shall do. And they did promise that they would follow his, his word. Um, but they have turned aside and they have, um, made this golden calf. Um, and they have worshiped it. They have made sacrifices to it. Um, and then God quotes, he quotes, he quotes Aaron, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Um, so Mo, um, God quotes Aaron to Moses. No, of course, you know, God sees all of this happening. Moses has no idea what has really occurred, but God knows what has happened. Um, and so he tells him, you know, um, I've seen what they've done, um, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now, them being stiff-necked, um, that means they are obstinate, they are unyielding, um, they are prideful, because to be stiff-necked means that they are not ones that will bow the head. Um, you know, Scripture talks about them, you know, people not bowing their head or, or bending the knee. And in this case, they are, they are those who will not bow their heads to God. Um, they, they have certainly have heard God's word, but apparently they have not listened and they have not obeyed the word that he had given to them in the covenant, the word, very word that, that they said that they would follow because they have broken the very first word of God, which is you shall have no other gods um, before me. And they have made another God. So he wants to pour out his wrath upon them. And the language of burning um, is there. And so, you know, the mountain of Mount Sinai is of, of a mountain of fire, smoke, and lightning. And so, you know, this, this idea of the, his, his anger burning against them is, almost gives me the idea that he will consume them um, with fire um, from the mountain and fire from heaven. Um, but then what's, what's interesting here is that he remembers his promise that was made to Abraham and I will make of you a great nation. 
So I'm going to destroy this people at the bottom of the mountain who have, who have broken the, the covenant, who have broken my commandments. But I, I remember the promise and the promise was that, um, there will be a savior and that, uh, I will make a nation and, uh, I'm going to make a nation out of you, Moses, and the nation will be brought into the promised land that comes from Moses. Um, and so in a way, the promise to Abraham will be fulfilled through Moses. Um, but then, um, of course, God, Moses being, um, the intercessor between God and the people, God's representative, he, um, wonders why God is suddenly going to abandon the promise that he had made to this people that he had just rescued with great power and a mighty hand, how he had brought them out of, of Egypt and had waged war against the gods of Egypt and had victory over them and how he had victory over Pharaoh. And now if you do this, God, now the Egyptians who have seen this will, will certainly have seen that you rescued them so that they could break your will and your law. And now you're going to destroy them. So why would you even rescue them if you're going to destroy them at the base of this mountain? And they will speak evil against you and say, and, and, yeah. And so Moses pleads with him to turn against this anger and not bring harm against the people that he had just saved. And the reminder is of the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Um, and in, in how he swore them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and all this land of which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. Um, so God hears Moses' intercession, he hears Moses pleading with him, and he relents. He is not going to consume them with his wrath. And so, but he, but Moses now is, he is going to go down the mountain. So. Well, I'll tell you what, this is a good, this is a good time for a break, brother. We're going to, we're up against a hard break. So we're going to take that break. But when we come back, folks, don't go anywhere. Pastor Orr and I will keep going with Exodus chapter 32. And we'll hear about Moses heading down the mountain. We'll see you on the other side. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me this morning is the Reverend William Orr of Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne, Missouri. Before we jump back into the text, I want to remind you, if you have any questions or comments about today's show, feel free to direct them to me at pastorboo at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-B-O-O-E at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer your questions on or off the air, but I do answer every email I receive. Now, Pastor Orr, before the break, we were just at the part where Moses was 
convincing God, it seems, to relent from his disaster. Uh, Before we join Moses as he comes down the mountain in the following verses, could you talk a little bit about the God who never changes, and yet we read, well, frequently, of him seemingly being influenced by the appeals from his prophets and even accepting our own pleas to see if he'll relent. Uh, What's going on there? How do we make sense of that? Well, God desires our prayer. He wants us to to plead with him. Um, And many times God wants to, he he sees our faith through our our pleading for mercy. Um, And God many times in the scriptures desires that um, we will, we that desires that we will hold him to his desires that we will hold him to his word, um, and that we will that we will rely on his promises. And part of those promises are desiring that God will save us and uh, will do um, what he has promised to do. Um, it is it is difficult for us to understand how how the God who is immutable, God who does not change, um, would um, appear to change his mind. Um, and yet I, I think that is, he, he ultimately knew what he would do, um, in, in relenting. Um, but sometimes what God will do is he, he wants to draw us out in our faith. It's, it's like the, uh, the Syrophoenician woman, um, you know, God, you know, he, Jesus is, is going up into, uh, the region of Tyre and Sidon. And you have this, this woman who has heard of Jesus somehow. She is not an Israelite. Um, and Jesus, you know, when, when she's begging for her daughter to be healed, um, she cries out um, that for, for God to have mercy. And, and, and Jesus says, I have come only for the lost children of the all lost, lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she continues to cry out over and over. And, and, and she comes to Jesus finally, and she's at his feet. Um, and, 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 and the disciples, the disciples before this are, are like, send her away, send her away. And, and, and she comes and says, Lord, Lord, help me. And he says, it is not right to give the children's food to the dogs. And her response is, Lord, but even yet the little dogs receive the, the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus went up there to the region of Tyre and Sidon for a lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this was the Syrophoenician woman. And he was in all of those apparent no's that he is offering, he is drawing her faith out. He is drawing from her and drawing her closer to him. And so with Moses, um, I think that what he is doing here is that he is, his desire is that Moses would plead with him for his people um, and uh, to remind him of the promises made. Now, I think what will happen here as Moses goes down the mountain, this is a teachable moment for Moses as well, because what, what Moses has asked God to do um, in being merciful and not having his, and relenting and not carrying out his wrath upon them and, um, and not ha- allowing his, his anger to burn so hot that he destroys them. What Moses is about to do is is not in line with what Moses has just asked God to do. Um, and uh, that's something that we have to, something that we have to work on. Very interesting. 
Yeah, if this if this was a test of Moses's faith, I think he certainly passed the test at least in the presence of the Lord, right? Because he doesn't appeal on behalf of the merit right. of the people. He can't. So he appeals to the Lord based on the glory of God. You know, he and he reminds him as if he needs reminding right. of the uh, promises that he made, and of course the rescue that he performed. Um, are you ready for us to move into the next section? Um, before, uh, or is there anything else we want to lay down before we read verses fifteen through twenty-four? No, I think I, I'm I'm ready for us to move forward. Well, let's uh, do that. It, unless there's something to you. Okay. No, let's do it. Let's take. Let's join Moses as he's heading down the mountain with verse fifteen. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to a powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Oh my goodness, poor Aaron, right? Aaron tells the truth for the most part up to the very end. It kind of reminds me, uh, I'm sorry to say, Aaron, it reminds me of the devil in paradise where he couches his deceitfulness with, with true words. And here we have Aaron saying, yep, this calf just jumped out of the fire. It was meant to be crazy stuff. But yeah, Moses is angry and he breaks the tablets. Yeah, um, I think... It was I think Moses is, you know, back to where we were before. I think Moses is, is everything has been going so wonderfully. Um, you know, he's, he's led the people out by God's command. He has gone up on the mountain. You know, they, they've, he's heard the word. They've, they've heard the commandments and they have, you know, the, the covenant has been sealed. He's up there on the mountain. He has now appealed to God to, to not destroy the people. And now he is holding in his hands the two tablets of stone that have been written with the finger of God. Okay. And I, and so he's, I think there's still, there's still some joy in him. Okay. That, that, okay, I'm going to go down the mountain. Obviously the people have done something pretty bad, but you know, I've appealed to God. He's not going to destroy them. And he had the heads down the mountain with the two tablets written by God himself with his finger. And he's going to bring this, the gift of God's word to God's people, not, not the word that is, you know, mediated through Moses and mediated through, through Aaron, but the very word of God written with God's finger. And he's going to gift this to God's people now. But as they're going down, his assistant, Joshua, makes the comment, 
there is a sound of war in the camp. Now, this must be some kind of, you know, pretty loud, you know, obviously we know what's happening down there on the mountain. This is a pretty loud commotion. This is a very loud party that is happening down at the base of the mountain. Um, but, but Moses, I think it's Moses, but he said, um, they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a sound of war in the camp, but he said, it is not the sound of a cry of victory, nor is it the sound of a cry of defeat, but I hear the sound of singing. Um, and so there's obviously this isn't a, the, a battle that is occurring. This is not victory. This is not defeat. This is, this is something that we're not used to. This is singing. This is a party. This is a festive gathering that is happening at the base of the mountain. And so I'm sure the curiosity is there is peaked in both of them. And since it's the Christmas season, I'll, I'll bring the Grinch into this a little bit. You know, you have, <laughs> you have the Grinch at the top of the mountain and who is, he has destroyed Christmas. He's stolen everything, the roast, the roast beast and all of the presents and all of the, the Christmas decorations and everything. And then he turns his ear to listen and he is hoping for the, for, for sadness to be coming from the, the, the little down from coming up from Whoville all the way up to the top of the mountain. And what he hears is, is the sound of singing. And he hears the song of songs of the who's on Christmas singing, um, of the, uh, of, you know, I mean, obviously in the cartoon and the, and the, and in the book, it's not songs to Christ, but, but we know the songs of Christmas, the songs of Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas is that the redeemer has been, has been born. But in this case, with Moses coming down the mountain, this is, this is not, this is an unsuspecting thing. This is, there is singing that has happened and it's not, it's not to God. It is to the false God that is the calf that they have been making sacrifices to. Um, but he gets there and he discovers, um, not good things happening. He discovers the bad things and he, his anger burns hot. Um, and he, it was this and his anger burns hot against them. And then he takes the very thing that God has given them, the word of God written on those two tablets of stone, and he literally shatters them. He breaks them apart. He breaks the word of God that God had given as a gift to his people. Um, and then he takes the golden calf and he burns it. Um, now there is some kind, there is some debate about the, 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 about the calf, about whether or not it was full solid gold or whether or not it was, um, made with wood. And then with the engraving tool that, that Aaron then overlaid the, um, the calf with the gold over the top, either way, you could burn up the gold, um, to the point of it becoming powder, but it certainly would burn much faster if it was made out of wood and then the calf being, uh, having an overlay of gold over the top of it, it would burn much faster in that way. Um, so, I mean, there is some debate about whether or not it was wood with an overlay of gold, or whether or not it was solid gold or not. Either way, it was completely burned up by Moses and he took the powder and he put it in a cup and he forced the people to drink it. He forced the people with his burning hot anger and with that fire to drink the powder that was this calf that was made. And the people drank the cup of Moses' wrath. Um, 
And that is, that's, that's what happens. He doesn't show mercy as God, as he had asked God to show mercy to them. Now, it is rather understandable, really, um, because of the grievous acts that they were committing. Um, and Moses now seeing uh, what had occurred, occurred, believed it, and then he acted upon it. Um, and then his anger, his anger turns towards his brother, of course. And his brother, um, yes, as you, as you said, um, you know, actually does give a pretty good account of what happened and then suddenly right takes the easy way out um you know he, you know Aaron blame Aaron blames the people uh you know do do, do not let let he calls him my lord do not let my you know Aaron is speaking to Moses as if Moses spoke to God do not let the anger of my lord burn you know the people yourself that they are prone to evil okay so they're a stiff-necked people you know him Moses right. these people are prone to evil they're going to sin um you know, and so he says, you know, and he, he says, they said, make a God for us. And, you know, he did. Um, and, um, they, and he says, I don't, I don't know. They didn't know where you were and whether or not you were coming back. And then he, he, he distances, distances himself from his own participation. He doesn't mention the fact of the two blasphemous statements that he made at the very beginning, which is, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And, and tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord, meaning Yahweh. Um, he, 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 he distances himself from that and, and even from his statements of telling them to take off their earrings. Um, and he distances himself from it, from the fact that he was the one who used his engraving tool mm. to fashion the calf. It didn't just jump out of the fire, you know. Um, and, and when I, when I hear this, this passage, when Aaron is making his excuse, I, I almost laugh every time I hear it oh, because yeah. it's just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. The statement that he means, I'm out, jump this cow. Well, and, you and, know, it's like, and he's, yeah. he's, you know, it's such a childish way to approach it. I, I have kids. I don't know if you have kids, but you know, when kids, yeah. When, so when kids are little, they come up with the silliest things, you know, they got chocolate all over their face and you're like, did you eat the chocolate? And they're like, no. You know, it's like, well, what happened then? Oh, it just happened. He's such a child about it. And, and I say that because it is so frustrating. And a couple of thoughts I had. And one was that Moses's anger, and, and you're right, he asked God for leniency and then he burns in anger himself. And I wonder if part of that is because he stood up for the people. You know, he, he stood up to God Could be. and said, you know, no, no, you know, these are your people. And then, as you said, he comes down, he still has that glimmer of hope. He's still, I mean, everything that's going on is still amazing. And he comes down, he's ready to give this stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, he's understandably just ticked off. And then, of course, Aaron is afraid of his brother. And let us not forget, uh, Moses has killed before. <laughs> so, this so, is true. So, you know, he's, he's a fugitive. So, no, I mean, but seriously, he's, he's probably at the point where he's so angry that had he included especially his own culpability and especially, which is one of my least favorite parts of the Bible, when he holds up this God and says, this is Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Oh, I can't even imagine what, what Moses would have done. Well, Moses wouldn't have allowed it, which is why it happened when, when Moses was away. So, right. um, yeah, Aaron proved his, uh, his weakness. 
um, not only in that moment, but here in this moment before his brother, when he's making excuses. So in the verses that follow Moses, um, basically, you know, the talk about the people running wild, let's get the rest of the chapter and it's only 10 verses, 25 through 35. Uh, we will read that Very good. now. I guess it's 11 verses. Here we go. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, Thus says Yahweh God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then Yahweh sent a plague on the people because they made this calf the one that Aaron made. So, of course, Moses is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words, and some of these words are directly the words of God. But I can't help but notice a couple parenthetical statements, uh, the first of which is that the, he sees the people going crazy, and he makes a point to mention that it was Aaron who let them. And at the very end, he makes a point to mention that the calf was the one that Aaron had made. So Moses definitely knew what was yeah. going on, especially by the time he records this. So we have this, this last part. Now, obviously, I'm going to point out the elephant in the room, and that is that Moses instructs the priests to take their swords and kill their brothers and sons. And, you know, what, what's going on here? Well, that's, that, you know, I, I struggled with that until I, until I found um, the passage from Exodus 22, which kind of tells us from Exodus 22, verse 20, whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. Now, I think you're, you're right when you say that, that Moses knows what's going on here. Um, I, I believe what, what's happened here is that not all of the people were involved. Um, there are people, you know, you, you have people that are, you know, kind of like, whoa, what's going on, you know, kind of standing back. Um, and that there are sacrifices being made and there's this huge party that is happening here. And there were certain men, probably of the Levites, who were the ones who were making the actual sacrifices to the idol. Um, and that the, the sons of Levi, I think here in, in a way, they, they have to be purged um, of, the, of the Levitical um, priests who had, who had participated in and had committed such a grievous, a grievous act and had gone so far. Um, you know, that's, that's an idea there. I, I you know, keep trying to get a grip on, on what's happening here, but there are people in the midst of these people that are, are I guess, are more to blame than others. Um, this isn't just some kind of random thing that God is asking them to do or Moses asking them to do. 
the the perpetrators of 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 this the the major you know perpetrators have to be have to be destroyed um and and because they will think quite possibly cause this to go on and in this case this is this is god's judgment through moses that these people have to be put to death um now he and, and there is a there is a claim of loyalty here. He says, "Whoever is for the Lord, come to me, gather to me." And so they're they are going to seek out those who are against the Lord, um, the perpetrators of this of this idolatry. Um, and I I think that is that is what is happening here. Um, and by carrying out this, they are showing their loyalty to God um, and uh, putting His word. And his and his desire and their and their faithfulness faithfulness on the line against those who have uh, committed such a grievous act of leading the people astray. Now, Aaron, you know this this. So where does Aaron fit into all of this? Um, you, you almost get the idea that you know Aaron at some point, um, you know, realizes during that day that something absolutely horrible has happened. Um, and you almost get the impression that he, he himself had stepped back from what had happened and that the people were out of control and that they had gone even farther beyond what even, you know, even what Aaron was deceived into doing, you could say. Uh, well, yeah. we have just a few minutes left in the program, but I'd like to give those few minutes to you. Uh, any last final parting words for our listeners about this text or anything else you'd like to say? Well, I think the interesting, the, the thing that I would want people to know is that Moses does go up on the mountain and he says, you yourselves have committed a great sin and I'm going to go to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And he even goes up there on the mountain and he tells God what has happened and he pleads with them. Um, if you will forgive their sin very well, but if not, please wipe out from your book, which um, he, he, he offers himself. Oh, this people have committed a great sin that they have made a God for themselves. But now if you will forgive their sin very well, be, be, but if not, please wipe me out from your book of which you have written. Moses offers himself as, as an atoning sacrifice here, but we know that that is an absolute impossibility. Moses, um, he, as he interceded for the people before God, um, and begged him not to his to relent from the burning hot anger. Now he represents the people again and offers himself as an atoning sacrifice. But Moses is not the atoning sacrifice. The atoning sacrifice is Christ who will come, um, whose birth we celebrate um, in just two days. Um, and it's he who came born of, an, uh, born of the Virgin Mary to be a man like us, to make the atoning sacrifice for sins. And it is he who led the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt as the angel of the Lord, the one who would lead them, the one that the people were called upon to listen to. Now, but God does um, punish the people um, there uh, with a plague, um, but he does, and, he, and, and uh, eventually the people uh, do make it to the promised land. And of course, that is uh, our hope um, that the, the Christ who did come and make atonement for our sins, that we trust in him uh, and uh, that uh, we will be delivered one day into the glorious paradise because of, of his work on the cross. Well said. Amen. I'd like to thank my guest this morning, the Reverend William Orr of Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne, Missouri. Thank you, Pastor, so much for being on the show.
It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And folks, thank you for joining us. As I said at the top of the show, this was the last episode before KFUO's 12 Days of Christmas programming. Thy Strong Word will be back on Monday, January 9th with Exodus chapter 32. It also marks the 100th episode with me as host, and my special guest will be my predecessor on the program, Thy Strong Word's previous host, the Reverend President Brady Finnern of the Minnesota North District. So make sure to tune in. Until then, have a blessed Christmas tide from me, my family, and from all those who work to make Thy Strong Word happen. May God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray. Father, keep us in Thy Strong Word. Word.